Welcome, everybody. Time for another episode of Asher Sales Sense. Brought to you by Asher Strategies, the only global sales training company that integrates leading sales methodologies and the latest neuroscience studies into a simple and repeatable 10-step process. Paul is our announcer for Asher Sales Sense, and I'm Dave Potts in the Asher Strategies studio in Washington, D.C. Our host today is John Asher, CEO and founder of Asher Strategies. His guests are Hugh Hopkins, president of WSI B2B Marketing in Charleston, South Carolina, and Chris Schofield, company director at IMUK Limited in Yorkshire, England. The title of the show is Developing an E-Commerce Strategy is Easier Than Ever. Over to you, John. Thank you, Dave. Welcome, Chris and Hugh. Great to have you all on the show. So let me just start with a question slash comment. Because of the lockdown we've all been in, uh, really globally now, our digital presence has become more and more important. So in other words, you can't have face-to-face meetings like we've always had. So our digital presence, how we're viewed online, has become just more and more important. And for many companies, a big part of that is having an e-commerce strategy so we can sell things when people come visit our website. Let me just start with a question for Hugh. Does every company really need an e-commerce site today, Hugh? I think if if a company sells products, then it's really absolutely essential that that they have an e-commerce store or they'd be moving in that direction. You know, if you just sell services uh, like Azure Strategies does, you can still use an e-commerce store as you do for selling training, consulting, uh, all all sorts of things. Most B2B companies today still don't have an e-commerce site. As you said, uh, COVID and restricting travel and salespeople can't get out, no trade shows, all that's brought this to a, a real fever pitch. And we are seeing a lot of interest but I would say only about 20, 25% of our clients and companies we see as we do prospecting have an e-commerce store today. And it's too bad because those that do have e-commerce in place right now are really uh, taking big advantage of it. I agree. And um, you're right. About half of what we sell actually is product, the uh, aptitude assessment. And we're, we're yeah. real successful selling that online. And, but you're right, all the services, it's, it's much more difficult. One of the things I've heard from many of the salespeople that we've been involved with, 80,000 of them <laughs> over many years, <laughs> many of them work for their manufacturer's reps or their distributors, and they really don't want to rock the boat, so to speak, and disrupt their normal channels. How is that working out now? Well, as uh, <laughs> consumer companies have gotten around that, I mean, if you look at by a large margin, uh, the most consumer companies will sell you direct. I can buy Gillette razor blades direct from Gillette. I can buy, I can buy electronics from Garmin, or I can buy it from any other Best Buy, West Marine, those places. So the consumer companies have figured it out that they need to sell online at their retail price and provide great service for their products, which you're going to end up doing anyway. But B2B companies still fight it. They oftentimes have this wide-ranging set of distributors and they sell to the distributors at all different kinds of prices and they just think it's too complicated to sell online plus the distributors will get mad at them if they also sell online and and they just can't get over it yet but we are seeing more and more companies particularly these days are getting over it and getting on with e-commerce yeah and i totally agree with that and you know it's become um become a lot more uh, easier now to to create an e-commerce website and as i know uh, I know you know there's cloud pr- pl- platforms now like Shopify. 
who've really reduced the setup times. And so how's that all working now? Does that mean it's more, more open, more available now to, to companies who sell products than it used to be? Chris, why don't yeah. you take that? You're the, more the technical yeah. expert, please. Yeah, sure. Yeah, thanks for the question. Is e-commerce difficult and expensive? Um, it's not so difficult or as expensive as it was a few years ago. The rise of cloud platforms like Shopify, like BigCommerce mean that you can now get e-commerce as software as a service. And what that means is that all the technical stuff and the security stuff are already baked into the code and therefore you don't have to uh, recreate that code and maintain it. So the, the, the setup times are, are drastically reduced. These, these sites can be provisioned in minutes once you subscribe to them. And there's, providing that uh, with some consultation that the specification allows for a standard setup or as close to standard setup as possible, uh, the initial setup and styling can be, can be quite pain-free. Um, very often smaller companies uh, start off with a small product offering and build that up over time. And that. But the most important thing is to, in the beginning is to try and understand what you need, not make it too complicated and start from a low base and develop it over time. Um, if you do that, then, then it can be quite inexpensive and not so difficult to set up a good uh, performance store. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. By education, I'm a physicist, but by training, I'm an engineer. But I actually couldn't do real work. I didn't like it at all. So that's, you know, if I ask people, my friends here in D.C., they'll say, well, if you can't do real work, get into sales. So that's essentially <laughs> why I've been in sales all these years. But when I was trained as an engineer, you know, they would always say any new project, whether it's an e-commerce site or anything else, it's really a three-step process. Do a requirements analysis, figure out exactly what you need, then develop a plan, you know, what software, what hardware in the cloud or not, and then execute. Is that just basic strategy still the way we should go when we're looking at an e-commerce site? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's an engineering project. It's a piece of software that's going to perform a function and you need to understand the function before you decide which piece of software is right for you. The other thing about the, uh, the cloud-based services, I know you all know this, and I think it's pretty, pretty well solved now. I'm not too sure how technically, but there's always been suspicion in everybody's mind on, ouch, if it's off of my server and into the cloud, can't the cyber criminals get access a lot easier? So how, 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 how have we done with that? How, how have we uh, alleviated that problem? It's actually more difficult to hack into the networks of these large software as a service uh, cloud platforms. They have very good and robust network infrastructure. They have code that has been penetration tested and, and, and has been tested by, by hackers. And they, um, they are set up and, and, and they comply with things like uh, payment card industry standards. These require uh, testing and uh, adjustment and ongoing monitoring and testing to make sure that they remain compliant. And if you are amortizing the cost of all of this security over perhaps thousands of platforms, you've, you've got a better chance of achieving a tight compliant solution than you have if you try and do it yourself on your own server. Yeah, and that's a good insight. In fact, about 10 years ago, 
Well, actually, many years ago, I was a government buyer. And as a government buyer, when you're supporting the military worldwide, you don't want to take too many risks. But now, 10 years ago, when the government started buying cloud platforms for even the intelligence services, I said to myself, wow, they, they've got this figured out now from all the security and that, that sort of thing. Yeah. Then the other aspect is for most companies, mine, all the three of us, really the biggest vulnerability is anybody who has an email address. People working yeah, at sure. home, that's, that's the biggest vulnerability anymore. So yeah. I'm really happy the way the cloud has worked out. It's so secure. It's, it's, just, it's just great. Following that up, Chris, what are some of the most difficult parts of setting up this e-commerce system from your standpoint? You've got a lot of experience doing this. A lot of this can be taken care of if, if a, a specification is written and the requirements are fully understood at the beginning. But the kind of thing that we would talk about when we work with clients to put a, a specification together, because uh, actually some, some customers don't realize that they need help in the very beginning just to set up a specification. And, and we, of course, do that. But some of the things that, that can complicate the project and, and, and lead to, if you like, additional costs or overrun in, in terms of time, I'm not thinking about these things. I've got, and I've got four or five things on my list. Oh, good. The first thing is, as far as possible, they should stay within the confines of the basic functionality of the a particular platform that, that's being used. Um, a customer should not think that, for example, they might they want to re redesign the checkout process or or something else that's already baked into the to the software because you know the checkout process on on a cloud-based solution has been proven probably over thousands of projects. It's a good process. It's what people are used to, and it's probably right for 99% of customers. So don't get lured into thinking that well we'll just tweak this process um, to suit our business when in fact you know that might add a bunch of complexity and cost to the to the project let me just mention that you know my wife buys everything on amazon now yeah i'm not kidding everything <laughs> yeah. and she can literally she can literally buy something with two clicks so which she really loves free shipping all the rest of it so yeah to reinvent the checkout process <laughs> would be crazy <laughs> That'd be crazy yeah, but, but believe me, some people do want to go to that level of detail, and uh, and very often it's a mistake. So some other items are things that need to be thought about are things like shipping. Obviously, you, you have to think about how you're shipping your product. Your product uh, are the charges based on weight, volume, uh, number of packages, etc. Um, are the products stored in, in multiple warehouses? Where are they going to be fulfilled? Are they large items? Are they small items? Are you going to use the well-known large uh, shipping and freight companies or are you going to use um, small local freight companies? If you use large recognized freight companies, then you've probably got the advantage that they've got a software system that tracks parcels and, and you can get uh, a proof of delivery and things like that. Very often with smaller um, um, shipping companies, you, you might not have access to that kind of technology. So, so shipping requires a... Um, a lot of thought. The other thing that needs a lot of thought is, is the product structure, how are part numbers put together? Um, how do they relate to other products? Um, how do they relate to customers who bought one thing, bought another? So these things all need to be thought about and set up. John, excuse me, it's time to take a quick commercial break. <laughs> 
And let's do that break to remind you that over 200 correlation studies show that natural aptitude is the most significant factor in predicting sales success. That's right, natural aptitude. Asher's Advanced Personality Questionnaire, the APQ as they call it, consistently identifies peak performers in outside sales, inside sales, sales management, customer support, and 17 other business positions. If you want to find out how to find the winners and choose the right people, go to asherstrategies.com or call 866-833-9941. That's Asher Strategies at 866 833 Nine nine four one, and now back to our show. We've been speaking with Hugh Hopkins and Chris Gofield about how it's easier than ever to develop an e-commerce strategy. Now back to the discussion. So, Chris, just to follow up on that, um, Hugh and I are involved in another startup a couple of years ago, and we're shipping a lot of stuff. And so, it just occurred to us instead of getting into any of that, just hire a fulfillment center. You know, yeah. that we, we get the order, goes right to them. They ship it. They handle returns. They handle the phone calls. So would you recommend going that way? If that suits the business model, yeah. Um, a cloud-based e-commerce system can handle fulfillment companies who are t- taking care of your product shipments for you. Or um, it can be set up to, to ship product from your own warehouse. Now, one of the things that, that you will need to set it properly, whether you use a fulfillment company or your own uh, uh, warehouses, is, uh, is how will inventory management work? Um, are there connections between the e-commerce platform and some other system that records sales orders, inventory levels, etc.? cetera? Um, what are you gonna do when you get down to low stock? Are you still going to accept orders or are you just gonna take the orders and, and rely on your supply systems to be able to deliver the product when it's needed. So, so industry see, management is important. No, I, um, I, I see what you mean because um, uh, just the fact that you might want to hook it up to ERP or CRM or both, this is sounding incredibly complicated so far. So yeah. what, what, else, what else would we have to think about? That comes into consideration when you're choosing the, the right e-commerce platform. For example, you might have a, an SAP inventory and sales order system. So you would then have, you need to choose a, a platform that easily integrates with SAP. You wouldn't want to have to go away and write uh, an API that communicates between the two systems. Even integration in the future, even if it's not at the very beginning, um, that will influence the choice of product that, 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 you, choose, that you select uh, when, you know, when you first uh, start the project. Yeah, not to mention the uh, you need a, pay, a payment gateway set up as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, the large e-commerce uh, cloud systems have multiple gateways set up, and it is it is very often uh, worthwhile selecting a gateway that's already set up, and that may mean that the company may have to change its, its merchant processing company in order to get the best rates for transactions and. Uh, have an easy integration with their system. All right, so this is great. So let me ask a um, question about this and your services. From what I've heard so far, I'm assuming if I was a potential customer coming to you and asking for help on setting up an e-commerce site, the first thing we would do together would be a requirements analysis. Yeah, absolutely. That, right. That's got to be that's got to be the, the first thing. 
Yeah. So then when, when we're done with that, now we're going to uh, set up the plan on how we're going to do this. Is your company agnostic of any of the different um, platforms? Well, we have our favorites simply because we have good experience of them. Sure. But we're not going to push you into any particular platform that suits us. What we'll do is, with our knowledge of various platforms that are available, we'll recommend the right platform for your solution based on the specification. All right, terrific. So let me ask Hugh about a related question here. Hugh, with all this complexity <laughs> that Chris is talking about, which I totally, uh, I, didn't, I didn't realize actually it was so complex, but now I can see it's like, yikes. How do you create trust with the customers on this e-commerce site once you got it going? Yeah, trust, trust is really vital. I, I think it's really the number one thing that impedes people making a, uh, a purchase online, and that applies whether it's a consumer site or a B2B site. It's simple things like uh, just making sure that people know that they're buying the right product, that the image is correct and the description is correct, and if their manufacturer's part numbers, those are correct. Will the company help me with a problem? Are there reviews? You know, what are some of the fine details? That sort of thing. So I'll tell a quick story. About two weeks ago, I bought three air conditioning units. They're fairly expensive, about uh, $5,000. And I bought them online. You know, at the end, I really didn't know this company very well. They had a great price, free shipping, no sales tax. And, uh, you know, it all looked good. I knew the product. I knew what I was buying. But I wasn't sure what kind of service I was going to get. Then I went and read the fine details and the warranty and the returns, and I had some questions. I picked up the phone, called them. They were super nice. They offered me help on all of that, offered me technical advice on installing them, the things, the dumb things not to do. And so I, I bought from that company, and I've had great results with it. So creating that trust up front and the ability to get help is vital to making a sale, particularly bigger sales, you know, that are hundreds or thousands of dollars. You mean somebody actually answered the phone? They answered the phone three times, actually, three different people, and every one of them were incredibly helpful. <laughs> That's good. So it's um, a good story. Um, I, I like that. And uh, so let me shift back to Chris for a second. SEO, Chris, has become more and more important over the years. I think the data in 2019 was um, if a B2B buyer is looking for a new technology, new product, then 91% of them now will go do research or get somebody on their staff to do the research before they'll reach out to a company. How does the SEO and the e-commerce work, work together? The first thing to say is that, of course, everybody would know that getting high rankings on Google for your products is very desirable yep. with regard to e-commerce. And because of the dominance of the large companies in the market, such as Amazon and other large online retailers, it's really difficult to get high rankings because you are uh, forever competing with these large companies. Now, that doesn't mean to say it's impossible. It's not impossible. But it involves quite a lot more work on an e-commerce site than you would perhaps think would be necessary on a regular marketing site. For example, if, if you've got a, a store with a thousand products, then you really need to write good SEO-friendly uh, content and structure the, the, the content in a good SEO-friendly way for all of those 1,000 products. It's a large task. It's not impossible. But it, like all SEO, it's a good thing to do, but it requires investment over time. You're not going to get immediate results. But if you invest at the right level over time, 
over time, you'll get a return on your investment and you'll get good results. So the point I want to make is that it requires investment. It's difficult. Technically, there are a few things that need to be taken care of. Things like on an e-commerce site where you've got products in multiple categories, you can end up having something called duplicate content, which uh, Google doesn't like. So you have to have techniques to take care of things like that. And the other biggest factor that affects uh, SEO right now is the mobile friendliness of your site. So Google rankings now um, are what they call mobile first. So Google will crawl your site and consider how good it is at, uh, in terms of user experience on a mobile device first. And your ranking on Google would be based on the mobile performance of your site rather than, as in the old days, the desktop performance. So um, as well as creating a great user experience for desktop use, um, actually you have to start mobile first and think about the uh, user experience on a mobile device because if you get that right, Google will reward you. John, it's time for the wrap-up. All right. Thank you, Dave. Hugh, and Chris, thanks so much for this input. It's been, been great. Um, now, most people probably are walking the dog or listening as they're driving or perhaps jogging. And so they can't write a whole bunch of stuff down, typically. So what, what are three thoughts we could, um, we could leave people with if they're considering an e-commerce site? I'll just start with you, Hugh. I think the biggest thing, John, is to just get started. I mean, things have changed, and they're never going to go back to the way they were totally. Things like trade shows are going to be way down after COVID, and, uh, you know, how we use outside, inside salespeople and where people get their information was even going to be higher. So uh, get started on some amount of e-commerce project, like Chris said earlier, start small, but get going. Okay, number one. Would number two be got to start with a requirements analysis? Does that make sense? Absolutely. We just ran a big project where uh, a client worked about six months on an e-commerce site, and finally the developer quit because the requirements kept changing. They never knew what they were doing. We charged them $2,500 for a requirements document up front, did that. Now we're almost finished with the project. It's been very successful. That's terrific. So number one, get started because it's easier than ever now. And number two, do requirements analysis. Chris, you want to chime in with anything else that you want people to remember? A customer should pick the right support company to work with somebody who has e-commerce experience and, and who understands the complexity of that kind of project. And as Hugh says, spend a little bit of money to work together with a supplier to get a detailed specification that performance can be measured against. And the other thing is, don't underestimate the internal resources that might be required to support the product and the project. Because, for example, we talked about SEO. When writing SEO-friendly product descriptions, then um, resources from the company may be needed to help to write them in the right way so that they are appropriate for the product, but they're also appropriate for SEO. So some internal resources will be required, and don't underestimate that. Good. Sounds like to me, as we say in the Navy, all hands on deck projects, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so so Hugh, I know you two work together, you and Chris. So probably best for the listeners if they want to contact you to contact you, Hube. You're here in the U.S. How can they get a hold of you? Two ways. Thanks, John. It's uh, Hube Hopkins. And you can reach me on my cell phone anytime at 843-670-7838. And you can check out our website at 
B2B, the number two, B2Binternetmarketing.com. All right, terrific. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. That's all the time we have for today. For our listeners, be sure to join us again next week at the same time. From now until then, John Asher reminds us to please, please get out there and sell something. Paul, take it away. That's going to wrap it up for another edition of Asher Sales Sense right here in the Funnel Radio Network for at-work listeners like you.